Shut up and sit down. Nice bike. Oh, if that's not the understatement of the century. It's cool. Too cool for you? No, 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 no. I, I, I think it's right where I'm at. Out of my way. Oh, I see. Oh, yes, yes, I, I, I suppose you, you do have to ride it to truly appreciate its virtues. Well, then, I'll just wait right here till you get back. Emotions and behaviors can be contagious. We've discussed this before. In a publication from the Association for Psychological Science, a preeminent expert on emotional contagions, Dr. Elaine Hatfield, wrote, if we feel irritated at a client, the client is irritated at us or something else. This rabbit hole goes deep. Doctors are affected by the emotions of their patients. Laughing people cause other people to laugh. It's almost in a monkey-see-monkey-do kind of way, Dr. Hatfield said. Our emotions then bleed into our actions, too. When sitting in a sports bar, you'll likely pick up the emotion of excited fans and unconsciously mimic it, even if you couldn't care less, which is how a tiny bit of rudeness can go a long way. Everybody, I know you can believe in yourself. If you believe in yourself, you will know how to ride a bike. If you don't, you just keep practicing. And now, your glorious hosts, Matley Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von During. Please enjoy the Dialed Podcast. Good stuff. Hi, and welcome back to the Dialed Podcast. I am Jake Von During, and today I am here with Lance Hepler. Dr. Lance Hepler, Lance mm. Romance in the house today. <laughs> and the man, the myth, the legend, he's back. Mr. Evan Price. It's, it's, it's been way too long. Oh boy, am I excited to, to be back at this <laughs> <Got> seat. <it. laughs> and finally, Matt Legrand. Oh, sure. Oh. Sure. Uh, sure. Never mind. Oh, his sure. seat's empty. Where's Matt? Oh, no, here's Matt coming in. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, Matt. hey, Matt. <laughs> Matt is traveling. <laughs> Matt is in the, uh, a giant tube flying over the uh, continental United States. That's right. Where's he going again? Um, I believe he's flying to Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. uh, he's going to some lake in Georgia somewhere. And That's what I thought it was Georgia. Yeah. Doing some stuff. So we contemplated the Skype stuff, but it just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. So um, we will see Matt next week. Yeah. So that doesn't work over planes. You can't wait to <laughs> Skype in. A- I don't know. I think he was just looking for an excuse. <laughs> he's getting tired of us. All right. Let us get this thing started, and we're going to go through our backpedal. Evan, I'm going to save you because we have um, lots of backpedaling to do with you. We're going to keep it a short backpedal from you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got questions. So we'll start with you, Lance. How was your week? Oh, I had a great week. I had a very good week, actually. A big, big mile week for me. I actually rode over 300 miles this last Ooh, week. Wow. So, yeah. There's mountain biking in there, too, right? There was some mountain biking in there. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, actually, um, I did go and race the short track cross-country race, Portland Mm. short track race. It's mountain bike race again. I've been slowly improving. I was really excited this week because um, I took Jake's bike out of his garage because he's not using it. He's not? <laughs> he's not. Like, so you stole the bike from so Jake's I stole garage. the bike from Jake's garage so I could use it. And, um, well, it's just a significantly faster bike than the one I was racing on. So I had a really good time on it. So Good result, too, yeah? Yeah, you know, um, there's like 30 guys in my group, uh, men's cat 2, age 40 to 49, and, um, you know, last the week before I had taken fifth and I was feeling pretty good. So um, I, I lined up, which I thought was in a good spot, which ended up being in the 
second row. I didn't realize I was in the second row, so I got a terrible start. Just a terrible start. They blow the whistle. I'm like 12th or 13th to the first corner, so I wasn't even really in it so, at all. So positioning matters even more than that does even in cyclocross? It's a 30-minute race, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, um, okay. So, yeah, so positioning matters there a little bit. In the bit. beginning, yeah. too, just the way the course is set up, a lot of times you'll find a lot of bottlenecks. Got so it. if you get stuck in that bottleneck, the guys that get the, the whole shot, and if it's a faster guy, they can get a significant amount of time yeah. on you just in the first minute of the race. Okay. So a teammate, Mike Hamness, got the whole shot, never saw him the rest of the race. He mm-hmm. was gone, and he won it. Yeah, he was yeah. super strong yeah. right now. It's yeah. fun to watch. Yeah, it yeah. was, yeah. Nice. I all I saw was his dust. <laughs> so <laughs> boy, Mike. So I was 12th or 13th to the first corner. Um, and then I was ticked. And so <laughs> I kept laying down some Watts on every straightaway and, um, just moved through the field pretty good. And, um, where's, where's the spot where you pass people? Is um, there like a straightaway where it's there's, just, there's just a couple spread? of straightaways that I would just hit it as hard as I could on yeah. those straightaways and go around them. And, Jake's bike um, is faster through those straightaways <laughs> so, than what I was riding, so I really liked it. So anyway, I'm I'm gaining on a couple of teammates that I knew were going to be up near the front, and um, by lap three, I had kind of gotten right on the wheel of one teammate and came to straightaway. I gassed around him, and he like goes gosh dang it Hepler <laughs> right right and those side. exact words I'm <laughs> sure <laughs> it was it was pretty funny so he sat right on my wheel uh which was good and so I'm ha- hammering really hard to try to drop him just a little bit and there was a very short steep little section where you enter the motocross track and I'm just gassing to go up this little spot and I pedal struck right at the top and the bike flew to the left and I crashed again. <laughs> so this time on somebody else's bike. <laughs> on Jake's bike. Jake, I uh I I I, I tore the, the grip on the right side, so I think I'm gonna have to buy the bike from you. <laughs> I can't return it. <laughs> That's one way to take a bike from some guy. <laughs> That's gotta be the most creative the way grip. Jake's had to give it away give away a bike so far. <laughs> Oh, that's a fun bike to ride. It is. So I go down. He goes right around me, and uh, but I caught back up to him and got around him. And so by the end of the race, I actually ended up second place. I took second. I had no idea we were that far up because you kind of get lost in the shuffle. So I had a terrible start, but I passed 11 of the 12 guys who beat me. So that's awesome. It was, it was fun. There you go. And yeah. I really liked hearing about the finish of that race. And one, two, three was... Dial cycling, and, and then I think it was fifth place. And was, fifth, was yeah, Chris, Chris Weirman. Yeah, so fifth, you, yeah. you guys took four of the top five spots, <laughs> which is spectacular. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, when I heard that, that made my day. And trust me, <laughs> I, I need things to be making my days these days. So, <laughs> yeah. very cool. So that was that was the fun thing on Monday, um, and then I did a really big ride on Saturday. Um, there's a, a local ride here called Tour de Blast. And um, it, it actually goes near Mount St. Helens. You may remember Mount St. Helens in 1980 erupted and mm-hmm. blew the whole 3,500 vertical feet off the top of the mountain, and it was a big thing in the U.S. in 1980. Um, but they do this ride that is like 84 or 85 miles with like 7,000 uh, 7, feet of vertical gain, 
And so you go, there's like three major climbs on it. And um, I, I actually, it, they, the ride was on Saturday. Um, I didn't decide to do it until Friday at like there you go. 8 p.m. <laughs> I didn't even know what was happening on Saturday, but I was strolling through Facebook and realized, hey, one of my teammates is, oh, is that tomorrow? I think I'm going to go up there and do that. So I go up there, um, and we had like eight or nine teammates who were doing it. I just I didn't realize it just didn't get out there, really. But it was supposed to be dry and nice the whole time. It was not. It was mm. misty and and foggy and kind of rainyish the whole yeah. way. And the road isn't used all that much, and so there were... This is a this is a charity ride, so it's not a race. Mm-hmm. There were sixteen hundred people doing it, so lots of cyclists out there. A couple of shorter options. There were hundreds of flat tires. Wow, hundreds of flat tires because it was just misting enough that you would just pick up the the gravel and little bits of glass on the side, and there were people flatting everywhere. Oh no, yeah. So it, that was a little frustrating that there were so many so many flats. Did you get flat? I did. Oh yeah. So what kind of funny story, um, there's, there, there's like the first 27 miles are all uphill and then you have a five mile downhill and then a seven mile climb. And then, and then you turn around and come back and do both those climbs again. So there's a couple big climbs mm-hmm. and, um, on the way to the first aid station at, uh, at the mile 27 mark, my, my bike quit shifting into the big chain ring, my front derailleur cable slipped or failed or I don't know what I did but yeah it would not go into the big chain ring and um so we get to the top and and okay me and I had three teammates with me um Whitney Phillips and Brian Bogle and Mark Sykema and and the four of us have dozens of years of cycling experience and none of us knew how to fix a front derailleur (laughs) so we're all trying to we really didn't know how to set it properly and Uh and we're trying to like undo the cable and but we we were doing it totally wrong because i figured it out eventually but we just didn't know we because you don't mess with your front derailleur very often no i don't (laughs) you just don't mess with it so we're at this 27 mile mark i can't we can't, I finally give up and I just said, okay, I'm just going to leave it in the little chain ring. So even though there's these huge bombing descents coming up, but I'm just going to leave it in the big cha- yeah, the little chain ring. So, and then we noticed the tires flat and okay, so we're going to fix the flat with everybody else. And I have, um, carbon wheels that I train on that, um, that are very difficult to get a new tire on. Mm-hmm. And, and I did the rookie mistake where, we, we get the tube off. I get the new tube in. We can't get it on because it just won't stretch far enough. It's cold and rainy, so nothing's stretching very good anyway. We're trying to use a tire lever uh-huh. to pry that tire back on, which is always a danger of a pinch flat yep. on the new tube. Yep. I'm forcing this thing. I snap, snap the tire lever. Yep. Yep. I've never <laughs> broken a tire. And the piece of the tire lever broke off inside the tire oh, that's impressive <laughs> yeah so, so you all, got it on but it broke off and that piece was in there she had to yeah. take it off again so we took it off again <laughs> we finally we get another tire lever i get the tire back on and we go to pump it up oh it's a pinch flat <laughs> we, we, so we had to take it off again 
and put on we get another tube but the stem isn't long enough so now we've got to get an ex- i mean it was just like the comedy of airs trying to change this stupid somebody have the circus flat. music going in the background oh was, there, was there any timer on it like what was the time i'm actually interested there for like 25 minutes we need to ask just screwing with this timer we should ask the other two guys i need to get healthy yeah so i knew that uh i knew there's a local guy bill waring who owns a bike shop here we knew he was doing the ride but he was like a half hour behind us and so we're like okay if we see bill he can fix my front derailleur and he can help us with this tire but we ended up fixing it well enough that that we went on with the ride so good stuff i kept looking for the tech support guys there was supposed to be bike support there uh-huh. to help me with the derailleur because the four of us couldn't figure it out oh my gosh so but we're at mile 27 we i do this big bomb descent with the guys in the small chain ring just humming it like i don't know 160 oh, you didn't you didn't like froom it on the top tube just to try and stay in their arrow and <laughs> well i did that a little bit but then there were times where i'm just like <laughs> just trying to <laughs> there's your high cage training for the week <laughs> brian is, brian vogel a teammate sitting behind me said it was the most it, he said it was just this impressively funny thing to watch me just <laughs> how bad to were you cross chaining i don't know it, it was terrible out the entire chain yeah. <laughs> you gotta replace I the chain i already now. i already ordered a new chain <laughs> i'm waiting for it to come because i know the chain is toast but we ended up riding all the way to the top everybody's having flat problems and issues we I I uh I took the so then when we got to the top I switched my we fixed it well enough that it would just go in the big chain ring not the little chain ring so that I could do this 20 mile descent and then I was just going to do the next climb in the big chain ring it was so ridiculous which 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 would you have looking back? Would you have rather just kept it in the small ring at that point? Uh, n- no, I I was actually feeling really good. I actually rode really well, which was odd. That's a problem when you have good fitness. Is your bike <laughs> yeah, never seems to have. <laughs> <laughs> so, we bomb you know all the way back. We we finally get to like sixty five miles of the ride, and there is tech support. Finally, they were just wave. So I had him fix the derailleur where everybody else stop being so on. fast you i know, know. jeez it was funny they were like three hours behind us so <laughs> anyway so that you know i can have just as many problems as most of us idiots out there on bicycles. yep yep we should have you know now now that jake can't like fully wrench he should just start teaching classes <laughs> right, so I so we it. we don't need jake every moment of our rides anymore <laughs> Well, I've been joking and, and threatening at the same time to take my wife's little minivan and put some like uh, you know some team stickers or magnets on there and caution cyclists on the road with a little flasher on the top and just ride sag support for everybody. So, oh, that'd be awesome. Could have could have helped you out. Yeah, the DC sagmobile. I, I, I would jump in that. I needed it. Yeah, I I could be the guy in the back that like hands out the water bottles and like fixes derailleurs out the window. You know, yeah. the guy in the tour doing that. Yeah. The other funny part is. Because I had crashed on Monday night, I had lost more skin on my leg. He's missing a lot of yeah, hair. Let, let, me, let me describe this right now. Right. He's got like, <laughs> his right knee has like roughly a triangular sort of missing skin pattern and his left knee's just a mess. His right elbow's staring at me right now too, so is his left. Yeah, they're all missing skin. So it was pretty funny. Anyway, so I, 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 I was all scabbed up and in the process of, of us trying to fix the the flat tire somehow i scraped the scab on something and and so it was just bleeding my whole leg was bleeding and i didn't notice 
because uh-huh. it was wet out and my legs were already wet anyway because it was kind of raining. So I'm sitting in this chair um, and the EMT, the guy, <laughs> the EMT comes over and is like, do you want me to clean that up? And I'm like, clean what up? And I'm, oh, I'm bleeding into my sock. Into the shoe. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> did, bleeding all the way into were you wearing shoe. a white cycling shoe? No, I had a oh, black shoe, sock, sock on. But it was just, it was just pretty funny because there's a picture of, of the EMT down at my knee. I'm trying to put the the tire back on the rim. Brian's trying to pump up the tire. It, it was anyway. <laughs> but it was still a good week for me. Yes, it was. <laughs> that sounds like a very eventful, like fun. We need me- mechanicals can make for good stories. That's the thing. Any mechanical issue always makes for a funny story. Yeah. And you pro- hopefully you learned something from it too, right? Uh, yeah, I did. If you need to um, reset your front derailleur um, mm-hmm. cable, you have to do it with it in the small chain ring and uh-huh. the biggest cog. I didn't know that. <laughs> we were doing the exact opposite of that. Uh-huh. <laughs> so trying it's to got- do it in the big chain ring. Yeah, I, it's got to be at like the yeah yeah the closest angle of the frame, yeah. and then you go from there. Yeah, blew it. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I I used to be terrible at setting limits. I still am terrible yeah. at setting limits, so I can't even joke over here. Yeah. Uh, this is a new rule for Jake. When we start a podcast, guys, tell me turn my phone <laughs> off. <laughs> that's my, what that was. Well, people <laughs> love Jake. <laughs> no, it's my my phone rings and it's on silent, but my it's connected to my computer. Yeah, and we, we're recording, we're recording, with the, and it the picks computer. up on the computer and just starts ringing the computer. I'm like, is dang that, it, stop calling me. So. Is that is that Matt calling us? Maybe Matt's trying to call in. No, it's somebody oh. else, unfortunately. So phone's off. Okay. We're trying to call. Sorry. We can still pretend like it's Matt. Yeah. <laughs> Good times, Evan. Okay. We haven't heard from you in a little bit, buddy. Yeah, it's been what like two and a half weeks now. Yeah, I, think. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Been yeah. too long. I'll be back for a while, so 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 I'll be annoying everybody for okay. now consecutive weeks for a long yeah. time. So. Not for yeah. nothing. I've heard that there there's a story that needs to be told about Blue Lake, and oh, I know that God. that was a few weeks removed from where we're at yeah. now. But I have one from this weekend too. But we're gonna kind of clump these in together into Evan learning. Like my ego in the sport of triathlon has been so severely beaten over the last few weeks. <laughs> it's awesome. Like it yeah. really, it has been a fun mid-season slump for me. It absolutely has. Uh, no, but it's but it's a good. No, don't worry. I I actually think it's kind of made the sport more like fun for me now. It really has in kind of a weird was way. Was taking the pressure off a little yeah. bit? Yeah, absolutely. Because you had this big ramp up for St. George. Yeah. And then oh, that just, was a bit of a letdown oh, at St. George. Yeah. Big letdown. Yeah. And that, so yeah, it was, you know, I've, I've had, I've been, you know, blessed and very lucky to have a couple very good seasons in the last like two, three years. Yeah. And this year I'm just having to learn when things don't go right, you know, like how, how you deal with it. And definitely, <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm dealing with it right, but it's been so blue, blue Lake. I'll tell, I'll tell the blue Lake story. Go for it. Yeah. Cause it was, it was kind of funny actually. So, uh, that big training block and I trained through blue Lake. But I usually race decently well when uh, I'm, I'm racing in the middle of a training block. I, I, I usually show up decently well. And uh, I... For our listeners, Blue Lake is a Olympic mm-hmm. distance triathlon, which yeah. is kind of a big season opener here yeah. in the Pacific yeah. Northwest. For the for, for the Y triathlon series, it's, it's a really big race, too. Yeah. A lot of fast guys there. Like, it, it was a fast race, that's for sure. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of really, really good athletes there. And... Um, uh, Y triathlon is an awesome group that puts together just great races. Um, I just was also at Pacific crest this last weekend and, uh, for a regional race group, they put on quality triathlons. They really, really do. 
So why puts on that one as well? And that mm-hmm. was down in Bend, Oregon, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, uh, so, uh, Sun River, but Sun yeah, River, yeah, just outside basically of Bend. Bend. Yep, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a that's a long ways, long trek for yeah. people that are based out of the Portland area. Yeah, you know? and they do. There's people who travel for that one. I'll I'll, I'll tell a story on Pat Crest here too. But there's um some big racers from out of state who come to that, and they do a 50k trail run there too. Oh, wow. um, it's kind of a whole weekend of races, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they, they, they put on a great weekend. Yeah. Bend is mm-hmm. one of those places too, that we've talked about like places you need to put on your bucket list, like destination places yes. to go to ride and probably do triathlon as well. Yes. That's a beautiful venue down there. Anybody looking for an awesome race, Pacific Crest Endurance Festival weekend, yeah. that half iron distance, they call it the beast man yeah. but because the, the bike's a little bit long. Yeah. Um, that, that is a bucket list race. The, yeah. the that bike ride you you get a view of mount bachelor that's just like tough to beat yeah during the entire ride yeah and just aside from the race itself i mean there's all kinds of just incredible scenery down there to see oh, yeah just yeah. from mountain biking or road biking or whatever your, your poison is yeah for it's cycling in down there yeah. sun river's got some great mountain biking yeah. Robert, yeah i've done the pacific crest four times mm-hmm. and it just kicked my butt every single time oh, it, it kicked my butt <laughs> trust me it was my butt got kicked hard so, so blue Lake, we'll start, we'll start at sea level. We'll start with the sea level story. So blue Lake was, I don't know, like three weeks ago now was the last time I didn't see you guys. Yeah. Um, and th- we, so I'm going to be the physical therapist at this race as well. Uh, proactive. We put up a tent and, uh, so I had to get there very early, had to do some organization through the week. Uh, my recovery wasn't great for the race, but I'm kind of getting used to that now. I don't think <laughs> as Lance here knows when you're working in the medical field and trying to race at the same time, your recovery is worse than your patient's recovery Correct. all the time. Yes. So, <laughs> and, uh, so get there super early feeling actually good that day. Uh, had a, you know, the, the, the swim was fine. I forget what I came out in, but I came out in the group that I wanted to maybe could have swam a little bit faster, but it was okay. Got on the bike feeling great. Probably the best on the bike I felt all season. Uh-huh. Hammering away, trying to bridge the gap up to the leaders, making good time putting my head down a little bit later you know i realized i had gone through a stoplight and i was like you know there was a flagger there and i haven't seen anybody in a little bit wonder what's going on oops hit us hit hit the next stoplight nobody there which means in my head i'm like yep i you should have turned i blew through a turn like head down blew through a turn apparently now let me make this very very clear because i used to work for race organization this fault is a hundred percent mine. I am not going to sit here and say why triathlon puts on an awesome race. And those flaggers probably were looking at me like, what is this idiot doing right now? Like I'm pointing to the left and this guy's not doing anything. <laughs> and you were probably the third or fourth third. or third guy through there. So he's not quite sure. Fourth, fourth I think, but I, but it was bridge actually, no, I may have been, I had, I had passed some guys early. So I was, I was right there. Yeah. <laughs> so how far and down the road right. did you get? I, I got about a one. I looking back, it was about one point. It was, I two and a half miles was added to the race was, for me. Oh, jeez, to the bike, yes. So Which, six minutes or something. Yeah, six plus minutes. Yeah, or it five was five and a half minutes. It was enough to take me out of the race yeah. for the win. But here's the cool thing. So, had that moment again, like I did St. George. Like, okay, this is either going to be a negative or a positive. Let's hammer the rest of this bike. Yeah. So of course, and this is a Matt story. God, I wish Matt was here right now because this <laughs> is so. Um, I'm coming back up to that turn, and of course, I'm seeing all of these guys who I know and contenders taking this turn. I'm like, yep, they're smart. And this idiot's getting back on course. So I'm going now catching every, you know, a lot of people who know me, they're kind of looking at me where they're like, what did this guy like, like, what is, what is going on? So he's, I'm passing him and I go by Matt. Matt looks at me. He's like, what's going on? I was like, I'm an idiot. Took a wrong turn. And then Matt after the race told me, he was like, I was hoping you were just going to like 
hang out at that point, not care about the rest of the race. He's <laughs> like, you looked really no. mad. So you just went in. You just, blasted. just kept on going. Oh. And of course, in, in my, I think probably angry riding the position I was holding, um, I needed to get new arrow bars and bullhorns a while ago. They're salted down and going on six years old. And I didn't. So of course, because when it rains, it pours. I am about to hit the turnaround. Um, This guy who is, by the way, just an awesome guy. His name's Matt Berg. Really, really fast racer in the area. If you know who Matt Berg is. Troutdale area, sure. Yeah, and awesome guy. Talked to him after. He's just super, super nice guy. And uh, I I think I kind of come up with him on the bike and he's going similar pace. I'm like, okay, cool. I got a guy I can pace with now at least. So we hit the turnaround and I realize all of a sudden I'm like, my position's changing. Look down and my arrow pad has complete the, the, the six years worth of salt has finally gotten this thing to turn all the way down. Oh no. So now I'm like sitting on the ski basically with my left arm kind of in this weird position where my left arm's kind of underneath my right arm, but somehow it's still working out. Probably maybe more aerodynamic, really rough on the shoulder though, to be honest, but end up kind of holding on to Matt for, for the rest of the ride, just trying to keep him in sight. Um, put down actually what if we took away the two and a half miles there i think i would have had maybe like a power pr if i if my power meter had been working which of course my power meter wasn't working anyway but really put down one of probably my best bike efforts i've ever done wow and riding angry yeah (laughs) came off the bike and i don't know what place probably like somewhere in the eight nine ten region jump off the bike and i was like all right i'm just gonna run hard and you know ran hard and ran myself into what I think was like fifth place or something like that. And yeah. So that was, that was the blue lake story is make sure you don't blow through stoplights where there's a very nice flagger sitting there telling you which direction to go. Dope. Yeah. (laughs) Matt Legrand did a really good job of not, um, spilling the beans on that story. Oh, God, because yeah. <laughs> well, Matt, Josh, we had to wait. Matt, Matt has this funny story too, where there's this turnaround point where, um, some people are coming up the hill and if you've already hit the turnaround, you're going heading over this bridge. So you can kind of see for a little ways. Yeah. And I see Matt as I'm coming over this bridge. And, um, so Matt sees that there's a guy in front of me and he said he wanted to make some, Matt always likes making like strategic comments to me, like in the race. <laughs> and he kind of looks up and he was like, you just didn't look in the mood for strategic comments. So he was like, <laughs> I just told you, I was like, you're going to catch him. And that was all that he said. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> so Matt, Matt was, yeah, Matt, Matt was great. And we joked about it after the race and I'm getting, I'm getting made fun of by patients and teammates alike now. So <laughs> yeah. Missing the flagger. I, yeah. So flagger didn't scream didn't yell he he could have and i wouldn't have heard it yeah, i think yeah, i think it was just yeah. head down racing yeah, at that point going. and yeah. to, to to be honest so i think what had happened because i kind of remember when i passed through there he there was the group of three i think that went right in front of me and there was a little gap there yeah because they were they were pretty quick swimmers so there was probably a minute or two you know three gap at that yeah. point and i think he was kind of taking a break over at the side oh it yeah, was still yeah. i've done that race course sure. last year at midsummer i should know that there was a left turn there and I think I just went straight through. And of course, at that point, he probably doesn't want to step out in front because he doesn't know if I'm looking or not. So, right. yeah, this was 100% a personal mistake and not the wow. poor flagger. But yeah, so <laughs> raced myself back into, I guess, somewhat respectable position. But it was it was uh, 
uh, for, for the amount of fitness going to that day was not a good result. So, so yeah. Pacific Crest, what happened there? Yeah. So, so this was my r- return to 73 after St. George and I'm just gonna make a blanket statement. I don't want to race at elevation like anymore. <laughs> Racing elevation is terrible. <laughs> oh my God. It's terrible. I am so bad at it. So bad. But Pacific Crest is, what is it? Is it 4,000 feet? Yeah, yeah. And the bike you're climbing up over in the five, six range yeah. the entire right. time. So right. the, the bikes at elevation, yeah. um, the run you're probably at four, five, four, six, something like that. Enough to when the, when the lights are going out to really make the lights go out hard. So, right. Yeah. Um, awesome race put together though there was like a lot of really really fast guys showed up uh ernie mantel was there who's a pro out of uh colorado springs and uh he he was you know when when you line up and you know a guy's gonna win by a lot that's kind of the situation is everybody's like all right the race for second place is on right now because he's gonna win and uh pacific crest does this awesome thing where they have everybody who's in contention for the win of the half iron starts at the same time so there was about 20 of us that got to start together which was cool. It kind of separates out the race. You know, you kind of know where you are in the race at that point. Um, and I got the fun experience of like actually hanging on to somebody through the first buoy that kind of put me towards, you know, a good, in a decent position to swim. Yeah. Sure. So I actually had a halfway decent swim time wise, not that great, but it was a choppy swim. So it was kind of slow for everybody outside of, I think, I think the, there, there was a woman who came out first. She's a pro. And, uh, she was first out of the water out of everybody and just killed the swim was just an amazing swim, like really put down a great swim. But, uh, I came out with a, uh, guy who I've raced before, super nice guy named Mike Vulinich, who's on team Everyman Jack. If any of the triathlete people here know team Everyman Jack is the, the, the all-star team of, of triathletes in America that are Uh, amateurs that are. I think they're an entirely amateur team actually, but they have a lot of, you know, uh, high, high achieving type of guys in personal life and in athletic life. So a really, a really good team. Uh, Mike's a great guy. So I knew when I came out of the water, I was like, I'm in decent position right now. So got on the bike, we're biking well, me and Mike. And, um, there's a story I'm going to tell from early in the bike at a later topic, but we're going to skip that story for now. (laughs) What ended up happening was another this is where um, I was joking with Lance before the podcast. I am spending a decent amount of money on my bike here in the next couple of weeks because things are starting to fall apart. And <laughs> the seat tube smashed oh, no. down a good it a good inch down. and a half. Oh, no. It was enough to really... My quads were paying for the last 40 miles of that ride. It was like a mile 15 is where it slammed down. I'm lucky it didn't go down. I've had that happen once before in the past and it went down, all like basically bottomed out oh, when it no. went down. This time it did not. It only went down because Jake, thank God, had carbon grid it before. So it did not go down as far. There was <laughs> whoever was working on the bike before, which was not Jake, because if it was Jake, this would not have happened. <laughs> there was a gap in where the grid was and it came down. I think how, how however far, far that, gap that gap was. was. Yeah, oh, how, no. however far that gap was. So that happens at mile 14. This is yeah. n- normally it's a 56 mile it's like just bikes, under 60, but it's like 60, 58, 59. Yeah. yeah. Just cause, and, that, and that's why it's called it like the 72.3, I think yeah. is actually what they call it. Yeah. Cause it's a point to point bike yes. course and, and a beautiful, bike beautiful, course. absolutely oh, God, gorgeous. Yeah. One of the prettiest places to ride in the yes. country. Yes. Yeah. yeah. My quads were not feeling pretty though. Right. That is for sure. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I put together a bike that kind of, I think I was sitting like 
uh, what was I saying? Like seventh or eighth, I think, coming off the bike or something. Not not in the position I wanted to be in, but still in the mix yeah. to to put together a good run. And they're you know fast guys there, so I was like, all right, I'm at least still in the race coming into the run. Uh, first place is well off, you know. Yeah, wait, doing out, whatever. Out of reach. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I run a decent first six seven miles, and then the altitude absolutely just came crashing down on me and started finishing the race running a couple eights. I think my last couple of miles were at eight Yeah, and fell back to fell maybe eight a little bit. Yeah. Not terrible. Everything considering though. And it's a beautiful race. So it's when, when people ask me about Pacific crest, I always say it's, it's a freezing cold swim. It's yeah. a, it's a hilly long bike and it's a run at heat and elevation. So yeah, prepare to suffer. Yeah, exactly. Thank God they don't put too many hills. They're nice about the run. Right. The, the run is like a couple has been nothing that's going to like kill you outside of the fact that you're at elevation. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was an awesome weekend because I got to see my brother, mother and father all in the same place for the first time in like a while. It's been a while oh, since we all got to great. hang out. So it's good. Together. Yeah. 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 Well, yep, yep. Family time. Yeah. So that, that, that is the, the backpedal for me. And it's, we're going to see how the next month, month and a half build to nationals goes because I may have to make some 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 adjustments here coming up you just got to overhaul your bike that's i think so i think i just got to overhaul overhaul my brain too and not be missing turns but and and you got to keep your eyes open yes (laughs) no more head down riding that's for sure but good times jake what about you oh dude i had a really exciting week let's hear it i went to costco yes that was the highlight of my week boys you got got out (laughs) I like this new Jake. He's not crashing for one week, which is good. (laughs) (laughs) And he's going and saving money. (laughs) I I made it from like my living room to my office a couple of times. That was good. Progress. Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, my my big outing was going to Costco. It took about twice as long because that's about how fast I walk these days (laughs) and how fast I move. And boy, was I exhausted. I need a recovery day after that. He's he's out of a walking boot now, though. At least least he's into a very securely snug brace. Yeah, I gotta go get that checked out. I uh, will be seeing the orthopedic uh, tomorrow to um, mm-hmm. have a few parts and pieces assessed and find out what the next uh, couple of weeks are gonna look like for me. But um, yeah, it's been um, pretty uneventful, and I am mm-hmm. thankful for the fact that I've been able to watch a little bit of television again. The, the post concussion syndrome stuff is settling down, so I can watch a little bit of that, and that's good. Been able to watch some YouTube videos and mm-hmm. kind of taking advantage of that time to learn a few new tricks or just dabble with some stuff that's always interested me. So that's been exciting stuff. Good. But you know, it really boils down to really just knowing that there's not much I can control right now other than my attitude. So just trying to stay positive and, um, you know, I'm trying to tiptoe my way back into having more interaction with, with folks now that I'm feeling a little bit better and hopefully that'll, uh, you know, be more and more with time because I need a little Mm -hmm. bit of interaction to take my, my, my mind off of, uh, this whole recovery Recovery. process. It sucks. And it's good. I mean, the, it's good that the the team's doing well, you know, it's growing well. There's, yeah. Yeah. I know it's, I know with, with how much effort you, put into the team development and everything yeah. it's good to see that's able to be successful and i know you can take a break it's you know what happened to myself and sean was terrible and you know it's kind of a statistical thing too it's like you know, it's going to happen at some point in time usually that's what they say and what what kind of bothers me is how it 
not necessarily bothers me, but it concerns me is how it's affected other people in terms of like, you know, they'll, they'll tell you, like somebody told me yesterday, like I, I rode on the trainer for the whole next week because I was kind of nervous or, you know, a little anxious about riding outside. And, you know, it's valid, but I don't want people to, you know, walk away from riding on the road. It's just, mm-hmm. it, it happened and there's not much I can do about it. And I'm going to do my best to get back in due time. And it's going to be a long re- road to recovery, but I will do what I need to do. Just mm-hmm. don't let this affect you. And hopefully we can affect some positive change. I mean, I really would like to see how we can parlay this here in our own community into, you know, creating more awareness with, with yeah. drivers, you know, yeah, pay attention. You know, exactly. You know, we are people. We're not just some person wearing, you know, some Lycra kit wearing, yeah. riding a bike. You know, we're human beings too. Yeah. We, I've got a wife and I've got three children and you know, I've got work that I have to go to and I've got things that, that interest me and hobbies. And, and a, a lot of that stuff has been taken away from me. And I mm-hmm. wish people would make that connection that, yeah. you know, you see a person out there running or doing something, riding on the side of the road, these people have lives, you know, don't, mm-hmm. don't throw stuff at them. Don't yell obscenities at them. Don't, you know, God be, forbid, hit them. Hit yeah. them. You, yeah. Know, you, know, you don't, it's whatever's coming through in your phone. It ain't, it ain't that important. And if yeah. it is pull over and, and take care of your business there and do your thing. And I'm not, I'm not speculating that any of this stuff was part of our situation but i'm just saying mm-hmm. in general that happens and you read about stuff all the time yeah. so and i think just when when you know the the unthinkable does happen take yeah. responsibility yeah. I, we hear too many stories in this country of a cyclist getting hit and a yeah. driver driving off yeah. which i don't know how you reach those people i think there's a yeah there's a lack of morality yeah. there that i don't think can be reached sometimes but, but there's yeah. always a way to strike a nerve with somebody because everybody's yeah. got a, a mom a dad or brother or sister just about everybody and they're not you know not everybody's a sociopath i mean I, yeah these people just need to make that connection that these are human beings out there that have lives and that, that have you know people that love and care for them. And to have to go through some of the stuff that we're going through right now, I, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. It mm-hmm. sucks. It, it hurts. And I, it's, we're coming up on three weeks now. I still haven't slept more than two and a half or three hours straight since Jeez. it happened. So it's yeah. just, it's rough, but you know, I'll, I'll do what I have to do to get through it and I'll keep my chin up. I just don't want it to happen again. And I don't want it to happen to other people. So yeah. it's just no fun. Yeah, a, a big part of what you were doing before you would do bike repair and bike maintenance for people, and I know a lot of people backed off sending you business because you're unable to help them. Unable <laughs> to help them. I think that it has something to do with the left arm. <laughs> He's still in a immobilized shoulder thing because his left shoulder is yeah yeah if any if anybody could physically look at jake like we are at this point you wouldn't ask him to go and like change your bike tire right now because that left arm is needs to be resting well i mean i know a lot of teammates and a lot of people have probably backed off sending you business how how long should they back off for how uh let me talk to my doctor tomorrow i'll let you know i mean i will push it i just don't want to cause anything to be further damaged of course Mm -hmm. but um I'll, I'll know more after my visit tomorrow and maybe we can touch on it a little bit more next week and okay. I can put the word out there because it's not just teammates. I mean, I've grown a pretty extensive network of people that I've worked with and I care about this community. I care about people having fun and wanting them to be safe and I want their bikes to function a certain way and I want to be that person to help them out and I can't do that right now. So that kind of kind of tears at you a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so of course. I will be back though. Mm-hmm. I'll be back, and don't and don't worry. He's he's also giving occasional lessons to people who don't know how to work their front derailleurs, <laughs> or who didn't bring their cassette tool yeah. from Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> so, and or I, who take bikes out of the garage, yeah, steal them. <laughs> My bike doesn't work, and so I'm just gonna bring, steal his. <laughs> 
He <laughs> can't catch me. <laughs> the, the garage is open for business as long as you're the one working yeah. on the bike. <laughs> All right. Well, that's enough about that. I don't need to, to you know, perseverate on this whole thing, but um, let's move forward. Let's get into our first topic. Um, now that we're well into this uh, yeah. podcast, <laughs> we might have to make these somewhat quick, folks. Sorry about that. So our first topic is um, what got you started in cycling? And that's kind of a broad term, but more importantly is how can we use that, what got you started in cycling, to um, help grow the the juniors um category in, in bike riding and racing so we're talking about kids getting them introduced into riding bikes more than just you know being on a bmx riding around your cul-de-sac but actually going out there and, and doing like a group ride or doing some training or getting into racing and things of that nature how do we grow junior the junior programs here locally and across the country because that's the future that's the future of us and and what we're doing now if we want to be alive and kicking down the road we got to figure out a way to get more kids out there riding and racing their bikes Mm-hmm. So Evan, let's start with okay. you. What what got you started riding bikes? What was so, that? So yeah, for, for for me, getting into riding bikes was was influenced by my parents. My dad I mentioned on the podcast before. My dad was a cyclist, and my mom was a triathlete. So that's what personally got me in was my dad being a cycling fan too. So I was watching the sport, mm-hmm. which I think I think was an important part because kids are so visually driven these days. Like, why are sports like basketball and football always going to have good? child participation it's because it's always visible yeah right they know the athletes they know the teams they grow up fans of the sport their parents grew up fans of the sport it gets passed down in cycling and i'll be even poke in triathlon there too you don't always grow up knowing any of the athletes in the sport mm-hmm. and sometimes i think that's a problem of professional cycling because there's now the questions of well do we want to idolize guys like Chris Froome, guys like Lance Armstrong, you know, I mean, right. that, that question does come in. Yeah. And I think we, we need to start promoting the, the sport as a, as a total, because especially, you know, we have the, the recreational kids, but there's also competitive kids who get into the sport. Sure. And you, you look at why has America not been competitive in grand tours since, you know, Lance has left. Yeah. Well, I think the reason is because we're not, like you've said, the, the junior programs aren't comparable to the european programs right absolutely yeah but i know for 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 me getting into the sport it was um i i was actually around so i i grew up skateboarding so i was always around bmxers and i always thought that that looked like a blast and then you know i ended up i was like oh road biking is pretty close to bmxing so i got into road biking yeah but i think sports like the mountain biking and bmxing are very very good options for kids because they're dynamic they're fun they're not like trying to sell road biking to a kid, which is, I think, a little bit tougher at points. But selling to a younger kid the idea of mountain biking, BMXing, you know, the more dynamic sort of fun sports in that sense to a eight, nine, ten year old is probably the the direction I think could maybe bring more fruit. But that's just my yeah. opinion. When I when I was um, twelve years old, my Boy Scout troop was riding their they were going to ride bikes from Astoria Oregon to the to Brookings Oregon all the way down the whole coast of Oregon mm-hmm. um, from Washington to California basically wow yeah so that was one of my first experiences on a bike and, and this is at 12 years old as 12 years old that's impressive yeah and there was Dang. 10 or 12 of us who uh-huh. were who were going to do it and um the best story about the trip um was uh one of my one of my friends we're riding along. That course is not flat, by the way. It, there is a mm-hmm. lot of climbing, and we were coming up on a hill, and 
he did not want to look at the hill, and he had his head down, and he ran straight into the back of our support van and broke his arm. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> was he, like, trying to sprint away or no, something like that? He just, <laughs> didn't, he just didn't want to look at the hill. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so he hits the van and breaks his arm. Anyway, that was... Did he go back to cycling? Um, I, I don't think he ever lived down the fact oh, God. <laughs> that he hit the support van. Anyway, so that was my first foray into cycling and then i you know went away from it for years and years and and i kind of came back to it by default i've talked about this before on the podcast that as other body parts of mine wore out i ended up cycling because there's not as much impact Mm -hmm. you know with cycling and that's kind of went that way but i think i think Evan hit it on the head with how you would really be able to get juniors more involved the only way to do that is through the parents. Mm-hmm. It's it's, yep. it's. I shouldn't say that's the only way, but that that's going to be the most lasting, impactful yeah. way. Parents or just older people in the cycling community, you know, people Some sitting at this table, mentor. yeah, right, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So it, it makes it you know <clears throat> difficult. I asked yeah. my wife this question today because I wasn't sure what the answer was to get more juniors involved. And See, that's a, that's a question that I think that we need to ask ourselves. Like, how yeah. how do we get more kids involved? And I've got my own personal ideas, and I've got my agendas that I want to um, to roll out over the course of time but I'm, I'm really curious to think what do other people think and I'd be curious like if you're listening to this right now and you've got some ideas or you've got a, an interesting way that you came into the sport of cycling or what it was that piqued your interest that got you involved with it post it write, write something up on our uh, Facebook page you know send us a message or drop us an email info at dialedpodcast.com let us know because I, I really want to be a good steward to our cycling community I want to give back and I want to try and set us up for the future so we've got to figure out how do we get more kids in racing? That's boys and girls. How do we get more kids on bikes and racing and um, kind of grow the whole cycling community from the ground up so that we can create more awareness? Because if you've got kids that are out riding bikes at a younger age, their parents are going to see that they're out riding bikes and they're going to be a little bit more um, aware of things that are going out on the road. So they might ride drive yeah. with a little bit more yeah. safety because like, they're like, that could be my kid. That's yeah. that's actually a ver- <clears throat> when we go back to the just like you were saying like making it aware that you're a human yes. being out there yeah. there's there's how you do it that's right? how you yeah. make the connection and just in, in in terms of like the longevity of the sport and the way that these kids can plug into the sport and um have fun with it until they're into their 60s their 70s and their 80s i mean mm-hmm. you mean obviously they might get a little burnt out but there's different ways that you can take advantage of the sport and different ways that you can use it and, and once you really you know, like fall in love with it it's not something you're going to want to give up it's like once you like figure it out once you get it I, right. I can't see getting off a bike for the rest of my life. Right. Even after getting hit by a car and sent to the hospital for nearly a week, <laughs> I still don't That's see myself yeah. giving it up because I love it that much. And so there, there's that, but I want to make sure that we're getting more kids involved in this. And I want kids to know that there is so much fun racing to be done out there and mm-hmm. so many things that you could do. And the best, the best cyclists in the world are not riding bikes right now because they just don't know any better. They, right. they never, yeah. they never yep. got on a bike. And so yep. like to expose more kids to that and let them know that there's more than just the staple sports. You know, you've heard me say that before, you know, it's more than baseball, football, basketball, and soccer. You can get into cycling and triathlon and these are some mm-hmm. great sports. And, and you know, how do you do that? So, yeah, you know, for me, I've been on a bike since I was about three years old. I mean, mm-hmm. I've got a picture of it. Maybe I'll post that up on our Facebook page and oh, our Instagram cool. of me riding around on a bike with a 
it must have been a six or eight inch stem. I mean, the thing was like vertical too. It's just a funny looking bike. And I, I think I'm wearing a pair of pants, no shoes, no shirt. Cause that's just how right. I rolled when I was a kid, <laughs> but I've been on a bike ever since I can remember. And I was always self-motivated to, to be on a bike. There's just something about them when I was a kid, I fell in love with them and I've always been riding them sometimes a lot more than others. But, um, it's, it's, I, I think I'm, kind of an anomaly but the the racing component of it was really just through connections of like friends saying hey you know you love riding your bike you should come out and race because you, you, you're kind of fast you know you could do pretty well i'm like well, maybe i'll give it a shot right and so you, you try a couple of events and like oh my gosh there's a whole different like yeah. you know, dimension to this this sport that i love and then you start falling in love with that and you meet more people and they introduce you about to more things and you know i, I would have like if you told me like 10 years ago that i'd be loved loving gravel grinding on, on a, like right. a bike that looks like a road bike and this cycle cross hybrid bike. I would have said, you're absolutely nuts. Why would you ever ride that kind of bike on that kind of stuff? But you know, here it is. Love it. You know, yeah. cyclocross racing, love it. Road racing, love it. Mountain bike racing, loving. It. It's just so much about the sport that it gives you all kinds of different ways to plug into it. And I want to yeah. make sure that not only my kids have access to that, but other kids as well. Like how do we get these kids, you know, involved with the sport? And like you said, a lot of it comes back to the parents. Yeah. So well, it also, it also, I think comes down to these big companies. So, and I'll, I'm, I'm going to bring this up in our next topic too, but expenses for this sport, yeah, the, it, it, there's gotta be more afford. And I know that there there's entry options for all road bikes. There is, but there's mm-hmm. gotta be even more affordable options. Sure. And, and the reason this was brought up, I'll, I'll, I'll bring this up now. So in the next topic is we were talking about why is there always a certain type of, you know, elite racer in these sports like triathlon and cycling. I think sometimes there's stigmas with that type of person. And I think we, we started, a couple of us started to realize is that the sport isn't financially accessible to everybody. No, no. So why do sports like basketball and football grab the, the best athletes is because newsflash, the best athletes aren't always in the most affluent neighborhoods. Actually, most of the time they're not in the most affluent yeah, neighborhoods. Yeah. Now, if you're somebody who grows up in, I'm just going to use West Dayton as, as an example, West Dayton, Ohio, and you are a great athlete, well, you're going to play basketball or football. Yeah. Well, how, yeah, how, how do we start getting some of those athletes into a sport like cycling yeah. or, you know, triathlon? It's the sport would do so well with some diversity yeah. and, and yeah, again, we don't want this to be a sport of privilege. You know, we want yeah, this to be a sport exactly. for the people. So, yeah. And I, and I love the, the, the grittiness of some of yeah. the younger writers I know that don't come from a fluid families. I yeah. love that. And it's, you know, you, you look at. I've, I've watched a lot of documentaries on early European racing mm-hmm. and y- cycling in Europe used to be known as what they called the boxer sport. And the reason they called it that was because it was considered a poor person's sport. Mm-hmm. It was a desperate man's sport. It was, you know, like, why would you do the tour de France? That's a 200, you know, you're racing 120, 150 miles a day. Like it sounds like a desperate man's sport. Yeah. And that's where the roots of this, that that's why that grittiness, you know, the Velamani we talked about before, mm-hmm. that's where the grittiness of those rules comes from. And I think that's, Something that, at least I noticed in America, I think sometimes that sport's missing a, a, a little bit. And that would be just another avenue to consider is bringing down the expenses of the sport. Yeah, that's definitely something. And like with our team, I have basically a budget that I'm, mm-hmm. we'll call it a little bit of a war chest that we're trying to build up yep. so that once we get to the point where we're going to launch our junior development program in 2019, I will have some resources where mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily needing to go and buy a brand new bike that might cost, you know, a thousand bucks, but I can go get a really cool serviceable used bike that might be two, three, four years yep. old for 
three or 400 bucks yeah. yep. that we can bring in. And then we've got such a giving team. Like if I needed yes. to say, we've got this good bike, but it's just, it needs a new brake set or something like that. And mm-hmm. I'm sure everybody's got a spare parts sitting around. Anybody got anything that they want to donate? We'll build that up. And then we can put a kid that doesn't have the financial means or wherewithal to get on a nicer bike to come out and actually use one of our team bikes. And if it yep. works out, the kid wants to come on the team, wants to do some racing, we will put them on a bike. We will get them racing. We will put them into our system. Our team will have the funds to offset their race fees and we'll get them involved in the sport. Yeah. yeah. So, and this is, and this is where, what, what Jake's doing is, is exactly what I'm talking about. That that's the, the, the perfect model. And it's, it, it's almost like you need to like write a book on like the model of that. If this really starts to take yeah. off and like more teams need to, cause I mean, let's, let's be honest, most cycling teams that are as big as dialed, which is a big team now have people willing and financially able to support something yeah. like yes. this. Yeah. And not, you don't even have to be funny. You could be like one of the poorest teams in the world wearing ragtag stuff and you're a yeah. team. As long as you have a little bit of time mm-hmm. to mentor and to give back to some of these kids that maybe can come up with a bike, but just their parents don't have the means to go out and ride with them. Maybe they're, yeah. know, they've got all kinds of different reasons, but there are so many different ways that you can give by, back to the community. Mm-hmm. So um, there's, you know, I, I can remember um, being told that, you know, you've got your time, you've got your talent, you've got your treasure, you know, try and give back what you can of those three things. And mm-hmm. for cycling, I want to be able to do as many of those three things as I possibly can. And so, you know, for us to, um, you know, to get exposure for these kids to the sport, we need to be able to mentor them. So I'm going to be able to hopefully give up some of my time to get them involved in the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping that with my, my background and my racing and my understanding of, you know, sports site or not sports guys, sports psychology, but, um, a little bit of that too, but the exercise physiology, teaching mm-hmm. them about, you know, proper training and, and how to go through that whole process. Um, you know, so giving back some of my, you know, my talent, I, I guess we can call it that. And then treasure through building up this war trust through the team, using the team as a, a vehicle to, um, be able to help these kids out. I, I want to be able to do that and then allow people on the team to get involved in that as well. So, mm-hmm. I'm really excited about this. And, and that was one of the reasons why I wanted to ask this question is because, you know, if you put it out there and hopefully uh, it kind of gets people thinking like, you know, what, maybe they'll, maybe they should try this. You know, if we get some just cool comments to come in or some cool suggestions and ideas, we'll use that and yeah. we want to, yeah, um, we great. want to grow the sport. So that dialed could become the, the, the model for that. I think, yeah. because I mean, you, you look at it, there's, this isn't, you know, a, a, a revolutionary idea internationally. There's yeah. countries that do, I mean, there's the reason that, countries like France, Belgium produce cyclists at the rate that they do is because it's not financially inaccessible for yeah. kids in lower socioeconomic yeah. to become yeah. part of the sport. Yeah, it's, yeah. We're not creating something brand new. This isn't some yeah. revolutionary idea. Yeah. You just have maybe to have in the, this country. Yeah, you just know, have to have the desire to, to want yeah. to give back to something that you love and you're passionate yeah. about. So, yeah. So yeah, that, that's kind of what my thoughts were. And, um, you know, really just any different way that we can get kids excited about this. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm all for it. So again, yeah. you know, getting them exposed, watching shows on, on television or not shows, but races on television yeah. is a great thing. Like you mentioned, yeah. um, being mentors to these kids and, and asking the community that you're involved with, um, to, to give back to these kids. I mean, if you put something together, it doesn't take very much, some sort of way to, you know, solicit like local corporations or, you know, people that are into the cycling industry or whomever. I mean, there's a lot of people who are like, they're passionate about helping with kids and giving mm-hmm. back. And, and, you know, as long as they're, they're not writing you personally a check and, and you're just putting that in your back pocket, cause that wouldn't be right. But if they're actually able to see their money at work and getting kids happy about riding, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are willing to, to do that. So mm-hmm. you've just got to be willing to ask and, you know, just do what others are not willing to do. And I, I don't think people are doing enough of that. So yeah. that's just my two cents. Yeah. 
man i'll tell you what uh, jake like he, he loses function his left arm and like his brain is operating at a very, he's just like he's becoming very philosophical right on. now i like it <laughs> uh, yeah good stuff yeah okay well we'll go ahead and uh, we'll call that a, a wrap on that subject but yeah. again if you guys anybody that's listening out there if you've got some feedback on this oh yeah absolutely share please share yeah. um email us uh, info at dial podcast yeah. or any of our first names at dial yeah. podcast or just jump on our facebook page and, and shoot us a message over there be mm-hmm. super excited to hear from you all right next topic <laughs> let's change gears things that we do not need in cycling yeah. and triathlon we're going from great positivity <laughs> to listening to my annoying yeah. voice complain about stuff <laughs> so we're going to put on our complainers caps and, and talk about some stuff and this could be you know, it could be anything. It could be devices or doohickeys or attitudes or people or whatever. <laughs> just just crap we don't <laughs> like in cycling and triathlon that we would really prefer didn't exist. <laughs> uh, Lance, want to start us off? Yeah, sure. Um, my first thing is shaved legs. Oh. <laughs> Not shaving your legs. Yeah, that's a terrible one. Not shaving your legs. That's a terrible thing. Exactly. You don't have to. Yeah. I wish shaved legs would just go away in cycling. Do you think that road rash would heal better if he shaved his legs? Because I think Uh so. I think so. It would have. But it's kind of a badge of of honor right now. It's a triangle of honor (laughs) right now. I'm turning into Lance slowly here. I haven't shaved my legs in over three weeks. So that's that's reasonable. kind of hard <laughs> but okay all right so i i guess that i'm being funny but um <laughs> no there's nothing funny about <laughs> nothing that funny it's about a very it. serious topic very serious. <laughs> them's fighting words yeah. <laughs> i'm personally offended over here <laughs> i will shave my arms though however will that make you feel better <laughs> it kind of would <laughs> um the one thing we don't need in cycling and it's probably the one thing we all wrote down first is I know I wrote this down first. A holes. A holery <laughs> is number one on my yes. list. We don't want a holes in yes. cycling. You know, we just talked about how one of the barriers to cycling is the cost that it, it tends to, mm-hmm. to get into it. And because it, it we're, we're trying to solve that issue with, you know, how it's so expensive to get into, den- or into dentistry. It's expensive to do that too, but to get into to cycling and, and the fact that it tends to attract at least in the racing scene, type A competitive males. Yes. Oh, the elitist type of people <laughs> yes. you're talking about? Oh, okay. Gee, I never <laughs> never ran into that problem before. And you just, you can find some A-holes. a-holes. <laughs> some Prickly pears out there. Yeah. We should have a sound effect for that whenever we say that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, never mind. We should not have that sound effect. <laughs> Scratch that Don't idea. And no hole. sound effect for that. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, I, I had a, I, that's the one thing when you hear about roadies or, mm-hmm. or you yep. know, road riders, guys that just ride on the road, they tend to have a bit of an attitude about yeah. some things and just listen to mountain bikers talk about roads. I mean, really, that's, yeah, that's right. the, the stare, like, I don't always agree with that stereotype, but it's, it's there for a reason. It's there yeah. for a reason. And yeah. I am a guy who came from the mountain biking scene. So that's kind of, there you go. That's yeah. my MO. That's just kind of fit my personality. When I got into road racing, I'm like, dude, guys, relax, chill out. Chill yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> you just boil it down to that. Yeah. Chill out. Is all that chill there out. Needs. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. But there's a difference between, you know, like going hard or being competitive yeah. and, and scoffing your nose at somebody because yes. he's riding Shimano 105 and yeah. doesn't have Altegra or Durace, you know. As yeah. he's beating you up the hill. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, so I, I just wish that stuff yeah. would 
And this and this away. also goes into I mean really our, our topics have linked together nicely here. So this is like when, when we go into people from lower socioeconomic getting into the sport. Yeah. Like yeah, you're not going to be able to match everything. Have the most wonderful components. And no. Have the most nicely tuned bike all the time. Like yeah. That that scoffing needs to go away. And uh, I mean like I know we're talking about cycling here. I could go on for days about people like this in triathlon because when you talk <laughs> yes. about the male dominated type A. That is, I mean, when, when that guy gets into triathlon, I'm not pointing to anybody specifically, pointing to a type of person specifically, but it- He was it, pointing at me. It's, <laughs> I, think, I think Lance is like the antithesis to this, actually. Lance would make me like happy at races, but but it's it's that, that and it's not the competitive, competitiveness, like you said. Like, I love that gritty competitiveness, I, yeah. and I hope that always stays in these sports, yeah. because at certain levels, it should be treated as a race, and it should always be treated as a race. But yeah, there's a difference between being competitive and scoffing, and the scoffing really needs to go away. Yeah, we'll keep doing our thing. Yeah, and and yeah. that's one thing that I'm proud of with our team is that's not something we really. Uh, I'm not going to say no. that we don't stand for it, but it's it's really frowned upon. If you carry that kind of chip on your shoulder, there's a good chance that we, well, we probably wouldn't have taken you on the team in the first place. Yeah, um, yeah, and that you know if, if we are going to be surrounded by you know what we're gonna probably piss you off so bad because we're going to be over the top nice to you and, and yeah. kind of chipping away at you and, and poking fun at your little, you know, elitist attitude. Um, yeah. Because we don't need that, you know? It's no. just, but yeah, I totally agree. No. So I agree. Anything yeah. else, Lance? Uh, no, I wrote down two things, shaved legs and a-holes. Shaved <laughs> legs. Oh shaved a-holes? <laughs> shaved a-holes. <laughs> oh, okay. Combining those two together. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Evan. Uh, okay, so I'll, I'll bring the, I'll put the triathlon uh, a whole topic together here. There's, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about one specific thing with triathlon that bothers me. Uh It's the process of, especially over a 73 distance. And this is where we're going to talk about in the competitive field, because in the recreational field, this happens all the time because it's more crowded sometimes, I think in the middle of a race. So it's kind of hard. The, the, the passing during a bike can get convoluted a little bit in the middle of the field towards the, towards the front of the field. There's certain things that happen that are just known and like there's certain courtesies and certain like ways that the, the, when one triathlete is passing another on the bike that it should go. And I think I know where you're going with it. <laughs> I ran into a situation <laughs> at Pat Crest where I'm not, I'm not going to say names in any capacity, but there was some a holery going on with so the passing process I'm, I'm guessing you were passing a guy and if a guy is overtaking you 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 let him you've been taken yes. so you let him. yes and Especially he and over he, a 73 it's a right. 58 mile right. bike so 59 he, almost. he dropped some watts i'm guessing yes. to <laughs> stick with you and not let you pass yes so yes. Yeah. so i was i was it was me and another guy who are moving our way through the field and we are catching up to somebody and this is like, like we said, this is at the front of the race. There's, I mean, there's only like five guys in this yeah. front of the race. Like this is like the pass is just going to happen. It's going to just let it happen. And me and this guy go, the guy in front of me makes the pass nice and smooth. And I go to make the pass and he does exactly what you talk about. Starts putting Watts down to stay right next to me. And at some point I kind of look over at him and he says, in no uncertain terms, please don't cut me off. 
And I kind of look at him very confused. I'm like, I, what are you uh, talking about right now? This is a like, I'm overtaking you. Exactly. That's, I don't think he understood what was going on with the situation. So I kind of, <laughs> and this is a very experienced, very good racer too. Yeah. Like I, I know this guy, he's a very, very experienced, good racer. So I just pull off the back. I'm like, all right, you do go. your yeah. thing. Hang back for a little bit. He then continues his, his zone four watt out footage here and goes to pass the guy who had already passed him and can't do it. So he's hanging out next to him now. So this is just, Jake's looking over here. J- J- Jake's face as a cyclist is cracking me up right now. But this is what goes on in track on when there's like that little bit of ego that uh-huh. is, yeah. I mean, we're at mile. In a non-drafting race. We're at mile draft. 15 right, of this. Right. We are, I mean, we got three hours left in this race. Like, right. let your legs have a little, like for this guy, I almost felt bad. I was like, like what? I mean, he, he ended up having a good race, you know, for, I mean, he's, he's a fast runner, but like, good God, he was killing himself on the bike at this point. And I just decide, which I'm, this is not allowed. What I'm about to say that I did is not allowed. <laughs> let me be clear. And maybe, maybe if Y triathlon hears this, I should get a penalty for this, but I decided to then overpass the stack too yeah. with some authority and just, just blast around both, <laughs> blast around both of them. <laughs> and said some not not mean things but made it clear what i was doing was sending a message and um kept on going the other guy dropped him and we went on but that was a completely unnecessary little two minute segment that just did not need to happen yeah it just did not need to happen and that's you know when we go back to a holy i'm sure i've done some things in my triathlon career that if somebody was on a podcast they'd be like there was this one guy I think his name was Evan. <laughs> it was in Milwaukee in 2012, and he did this terrible thing. <laughs> but yeah, it was. Um, Do you guys have a term for those guys? Oh my it's god! Like, it's like, hey, try guy. You yeah, know? yeah. I'm sure there's some choice words that we won't say on here, but yeah, there's. It's just, it's the and you know it's like you, you got guys who will hang on to wheels as you know there's no drafting yeah. in triathlon and it's you're supposed to have like a 10 meter gap. Yeah, you, know? yeah. you can't sit on a wheel and yeah. so. The amount of drama in some of the the front of these races just still cracks me up to this day. That's funny. Especially being, <laughs> God, I'm going into like finishing up my eighth season here by the end of this season. I'm like, I mean, you 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 would think at some point for people in their 30s who have been racing at that level for yeah, a long time, yeah. it would start to, you know, like you'd stop doing it at some not, point, not so but much, they yeah. just, no. It's like. Grown children. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Fun. Fun. Yeah. What else you got? Anything? I got expenses down, which we had already, we talked, already about. talked about. We already talked about I talked about bringing down the expenses it's in these a, sports. It's not a cheap sport by yeah. any means at all. And, and I, I know that that's so much easier said than done because I've been in now medicine long enough to know like, you know, that there's certain just inherent charges that come with things. Yeah. Like you mm-hmm. can't just take a road bike all of a sudden and chop the price by three, four thousand dollars. Like you just yeah. can't do that. Yeah. But I, I mean, think there's there are be something. big margins in there um, for the bike manufacturers. But the thing is, is they for the good ones that are doing a good job. I mean, mm-hmm. they put a ton of money and they're, they're taking a big risk of running a corporation. I understand yep. that they need to make money. Yep. And, you know, there's a lot of research and, and development that goes into the, 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 the making of these bikes through the whole, you know, catting process and the whole like creating uh you know templates and and test bikes and that other stuff and then you gotta create your molds and then you're going mm-hmm. through this whole process of working with the oems on the outside and, and pay they, the engineers too and but all that. yeah i i know that from from just my interactions and talking with people i i believe that the um the margins for them 
it's still pretty substantially nice. I <laughs> They're mean, doing well. <laughs> I mean, for you know, for if there's a hundred percent MSRP cost on the bike, um, you know, the the dealer is usually somewhere in that thirty to forty range, just depending upon what kind of a dealer and percent points that they'll put on a bike. Um, you know, sometimes it's a little bit smaller, just depends on the, the corporation. It depends on what kind of business you're doing with them. And then I know that the um, the manufacturers are probably getting close to that same amount as well. So if you mm-hmm. think about just the, the raw cost of building a bike, um, it's pretty inexpensive um, yeah. you know, for these people. I mean, they're, we'll just call it like a $10,000 super bike probably costs them 2,500 to $3,000. So there's a lot of markup on these bikes. Yeah. So yeah. how do you, how do you bring that, that price down? I mean, I know that there's a lot of direct sale um, deals that are coming into place and, you know, kind of following suit with what you know, like Canyon's done. Canyon's yeah. probably the, I'd say they're the biggest leader in this, you know, putting together a, a serious bike uh, from top to bottom and they are cutting out the um, the dealers. Um, they're mm-hmm. they're doing direct sales, and their their prices are probably 15, 20, 25 percent less than the competitors. But you're you're kind of missing a whole margin there, and we can get into that. And that's yeah. a whole other topic. But yeah, yeah. How how do you bring the prices down otherwise? Though I don't know. It, yeah. It's a tough thing because I mean, bike it, shops it's tough for them to make money because they're trying to go up against yes. you know the internet and um, these yeah. companies that are doing direct sale now. So I don't think it's going to happen there. Yeah, and that's why I think if you always have. And this is just a, just a blanket statement for me, and I'm biased because I worked at a bike shop where I really loved the owner, and he was like, you know, a great friend of the family, yeah. and just one of my best friends. So like, I kind of he he would share with me a lot of the struggles of running a bike shop for sure. one. But for for me, I've always thought if you're financially able to, I like to see people utilize either in this area people utilize Jake for one, which yeah. in my opinion is his own. You know, Jake's a one man bike store. Yeah. I'm joking. Sorry, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's utilizing your local options instead of always using the internet because there, there are those good bike stores, great mechanics out there that I think need our support, but maybe, maybe these companies need to take the dividends they're making from that top bike and then make that entry level bike super affordable. So making it something that like, you know, if you're making that much off your $15,000 bike or whatever, like maybe Canyon needs to make a really, really affordable road bike. Yeah. It's like that yeah. three, four hundred dollar range like we talked about. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff I think that needs to be looked at. Yeah. But again, I think that the the markets will will set themselves and go back things. to aluminum maybe. Yeah. I, I love aluminum. <laughs> I'm, I'm all for it. So, yeah, we'll help these kids out. So um, yeah. but yeah, that's definitely an issue for sure. Mm-hmm. Um for me personally, um we already checked on the uh the holery. Yeah, we can do without that. Did we all three put that down? Because <laughs> we, we actually down. didn't collaborate on <laughs> that did until not. that was done. Yeah. So <laughs> For many years ago, um, we would go on our, our little group rides and team rides and things like that. And we always had, um, there's a handful of guys, and we called them the EBRs. They always had an excuse for everything. So we called it excuse-based riding, like why they why they had a hard time <laughs> hanging are. up to it. The, the, the excuse-based cyclist was always complaining about something. There's something that was wrong with their bike or they were sick or they didn't get a good sleep last night. And it was literally every single time you would go out and ride with them. <laughs> they would have an excuse uh-huh. for why we were waiting for them for way too long. <laughs> and it was always and like, I understand everybody's going to have a bad day. And if you're not quite as fast as the other guys, that's fine. But y- you don't need to have an excuse for everything. Yep. You know, sometimes you just need to own up to the fact that, yeah, I had like three or four beers last night and <laughs> cheeseburger and French fries. And, you know, I slept for four hours and, and that's your, that's your daily routine. Well, that's why you're slow, pal. Yeah. <laughs> Don't need to come up with other excuses. It's why you are slow. So, yeah. um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start using the excuses. I'm just going to get the top hill with Jake and just be like, I'm just not fit. <laughs> that's my excuse. So, uh, excuse based writing is something that I could do without, um, 
And I know that uh, we kind of touched on this a little bit with you know people being elitist, but I'm going to be elitist with one thing. Mm-hmm. Don't let you, your bike get noisy. Don't have a loud, noisy bike. Don't have a bike that's like a creaking squeak, bottom squeak, bracket. Squeak. I know. Is Jake trying to attack me and Lance right now? I don't get this. This is Jake's worked on my bike, so that's a personal attack. I feel like. So, a quiet bike is a happy bike. Let's just remember uh, that. If your bike's making noise, take it to somebody and get it fixed, or just put some lube so, on your so, chain for so, once. You know, so, Lance has a story. So on Saturday, so on Saturday. Um, I'm riding my bike that won't go into the big chain ring, whatever. And my (laughs) bottom bracket is creaking every time I get up out of the saddle Uh because my bearings are bad or something. Something's going on. Do you think maybe it has something to do with the fact that you were spinning at whatever in your small ring? No, it's because Jake is broken and can't fix it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to blame Jake. My excuse is Jake. Couldn't fix my EBR. I'm gonna get to the top bracket. of the hill and say Jake's left shoulder is the problem. So, oh, so, so I'm out of the saddle and I'm pumping along and and every time I go by somebody, I'm like, "Sorry about the noise. Sorry, my bike's so noisy. I'm so sorry." Bring it by, Lance. We'll fix it. I'll use your hands. My mouth. We'll get to figure it out. Right. I, I what to do. Rode so as you know my my road bike is a nine speed Uh so i was you know i rode belgian style for my early (laughs) racing career basically and i developed a very creaky bottom bracket which had actually splintered so so it actually fractured the bottom bracket oh my god which i i raced on for a year making that noise that lance was just describing (laughs) in races i was probably the most annoying human being in a race for one year now granted i you know, start working at a bike shop, fix it, got to replace and all of that. But yeah, I learned the hard way. I was just like, well, my bike's just going to make noise forever. So yeah, <laughs> good times. Check your bottom brackets. People. <laughs> all right. And then, uh, one other thing here, um, people who don't think it's necessary to wear helmets, they'll show up to a group oh, ride and God, they're wearing yeah. their little cycling cap, you know, because they're it's cool because that's, that's yeah, the way it on. used to be. You're a knucklehead, man. Come on. Come on. <laughs> I, yeah. I've ridden with a couple of those people. And I honestly, I don't want that guy around me. Is I it, just don't think that he's safe in Is it a law in, in Washington and Oregon? I, you know what? I, I think, think there was they, a law in Ohio. I'm I, pretty I sure. I think that they've recently passed a law. I think you're they supposed should. to have to wear a helmet. I think so. Adult, so. Yeah. I think it is. Don't be that guy, though. Because trust me, if I wasn't wearing my helmet three weeks ago, uh, I, I would not be here yeah. today. I would have likely died. Yeah. I'd just pure blatant and honest i mean that's just the way that it is so then i yeah. wouldn't have to pay you for that mountain bike that's no, true you would have had a sweet score <laughs> <laughs> and we would all have new bikes then <laughs> come pick the door J- jake if the unthinkable ever happens we will take care of we'll your bikes i promise you <laughs> <laughs> but yes everybody please wear a helmet that's cycling caps that's like <laughs> that's like spearing somebody in a football game wearing what they were wearing in the 1920s like that leather yeah. cap like that. just just no better man yeah. so very cool. All right, so we'll, we'll call that a wrap on, on things yeah. we do not need in cycling and triathlon. Yeah. Don't that, be an a-hole. That wasn't too much complaining, right? Yeah. That was a light dose of complaining. Yeah, that was not too bad, I guess. <laughs> we could have been much worse there. Yeah. Probably could have said something about not needing cars in cycling, too, but I'll take yeah. that. <laughs> Again, on roads. still a little salty here. All right, let's get into our one last thing and wrap this thing up. Um, Evan, start us off. One last thing. Oh, man. That, that, was, that was a lot of things right there. So my, my one last thing is going to be uh, anybody who is looking to do open water swimming. I know Matt's not here to plug this again, Yep. but um, I believe Matt has that clicking over on Thursday evenings. And also, and 
uh, anybody looking for like a weekend partner or like a Monday afternoon partner, I'm open for those appointments. Training so. partner or girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> open water swimming partner. We'll okay, put it that way. <laughs> Just making sure that they knew. <laughs> Putting a dating blog on this podcast. <laughs> um, no. Evan is available. <laughs> Oh, God. Um, Speaking of Matt, too, real quick, I'm just yeah. going to plug one of his recent videos he did. I thought was kind of cool talking about the chain loops. That it, I, I put that up on the, oh, uh, yeah. the, the yeah, Facebook page for Dial Podcast. I thought that was kind of a cool little video that he posted. Yeah. So go check that out if you want to learn about gaining a few free watts. He does these cool things on Friday called uh, Free Watt Fridays or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, really neat little series that he's yeah. doing. So cool I stuff. also followed his long sleeve wetsuit, basically instructions. Yeah. I really watched it. I was like, you know, I've been putting on long sleeve wetsuits for years. I want to make sure I'm kind of following what he's saying there. Sure adjusted it for the race pack crest definitely felt different oh yeah people should check out that youtube video that matt put up yeah it's good it's, stuff it's good, yeah. good it's job important to realize that. yeah <laughs> very cool anything else evan uh no that's good that was your one thing that was my one thing thank you sir we <laughs> have your one thing back in the show re- reiterating past things is yeah. my one thing <laughs> mr lance uh i just want to plug our facebook page we we um we we do occasionally post pictures of things that we have talked about yeah. here mm-hmm. on here um um, there's always fantastic pictures of me on there, and <laughs> I am a self-absorbed <laughs> the egalomaniac. Travels, the so. travels of Lance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. The travels of Lance Romance. So yeah, go to uh, Dial Podcast on Facebook page and, and follow that. You'll get some more information. Yeah, some check us out on Instagram, too. We're um, slowly but surely posting a few more pictures <laughs> on there. So uh, just trying to keep you guys up to speed with what's going on on the shows, yep. what we're talking about. So good stuff. Um, That's like five good stuff tonight yeah. so far, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Not to point that Drink. out. <laughs> we need to, yeah, we, we should have a rule. It's like one good, you only get one, one good stuff. Like one thing. <laughs> yeah. Only one thing. <laughs> What's the, the drinking games that people are playing? We talked about this last week, I believe, you weren't here, about all the uh, things that uh, we tend to say far too many times. Jake says good stuff. Glorious, yes. Lance. That's I say glorious. glorious too much. <laughs> oh, crap, what do I say? <laughs> I've got to have some filler. Like I have to have some bad filler. I have. I've only noticed Jake in mine, so I haven't I've, noticed I've, yours. I've noticed Jake's. Matt. Oh God, does Matt have one? We got to think about Matt's. I'm sure Matt has something that he uses. Funny. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yes. I was about to plug that for you. Okay, my one last thing, and this is something that I learned, um, and it kind of is tied into the the accident I was going to get into. I'm not going to talk about that, but something that I learned that um, you should look into um, each of in both of you guys mm-hmm. is your auto insurance. Even though you are mm-hmm. a cyclist out on the road, um, I've been informed that we have a part of our um, auto insurance that is the underinsured motorist policy. So if something should happen to you, heaven forbid, mm-hmm. and let's say that the person who hits you has very poor auto uh, coverage or no coverage at all, mm-hmm. there is a part of your auto insurance called underinsured motorist. And basically, that will basically help supplement um, your medical costs and any kind of other stuff that's incurred during the, the whole process huh. of what you're, what's happening to you. That's important. So um, I looked into that and I think our cost went up to like $50,000, which is a decent amount, but it was actually, that was pretty low in terms of what the, the agent was telling us. And we went ahead and I think it was doubled or tripled the amount of what ours is. And I think our annual cost, the amount that it went up was like 15 bucks for the year. It was super cheap. So I highly, highly, highly recommend that mm. you, hedge pay that extra couple of bucks yeah. a month or a year whatever it ends up being and get that increased 
um, under insured motorist policy on your um, auto insurance just to kind of cover your butt in case something happened. I mean, we go out on these rides and, you know, it, you can get hurt and things stack up pretty quick. I yeah. mean, just I've got medical pills that are starting to come in. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that is so expensive. And then you think about like your bike that's in a, a pile of, you know, just rubbish now. Yeah. You know, bikes Literally. are bikes are not cheap. <laughs> I mean, you can yeah. you can spend in the the low thousands to you know tens of not tens but you know over ten thousand dollars on a bike i mean some of these bikes are super expensive the worst thing in the world that could happen is somebody hits you and you they don't have insurance coverage or their their policy Mm -hmm. just absolutely sucks and like you're all of a sudden left with all this debt and you're Mm -hmm. like wow well at least you have something to fall back on so just take a look into it uh call your agent up check your your policy and, and see uh see what it is and uh, make sure that you're properly covered because it's uh gonna be well worth it in the long Mm -hmm. run perfect that is it. That is a wrap. Mm-hmm. Matt, we cool. hope you made it to Atlanta safely. Yep. <laughs> and yep. we miss you. Yeah. We do Evan, miss you, Matt. Welcome back. Thank you to oh, yeah. thanks for getting back in here. We've uh, missed having be, you in here. So it's gonna sure. be a fun, a fun <laughs> couple months here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Lance, uh always good to see you as always. Uh good luck in your race tonight. Thank you. Yeah, go get them. And um I will hopefully make some positive steps over the next week and I would be tickled pink if anybody would like to reach out to us on uh, our socials, whether it be Instagram or Facebook or email, and just uh, have something to say about the show. That would make my week. So do that. And then also, too, we I've noticed that there's been a lot of uh, positive, good five-star reviews of uh, the Dial podcast on iTunes. That is mm. awesome. So thank you very much for doing that, folks. Um, all right, guys. I think that's it. We'll call it a day. All right. Guys, have a good one. Good. All See right. See you next time. All right. Bye for now. <laughs>